Get ready for non-stop action. Get ready for non-stop excitement. They're doing the job possibly nobody wants. Watching every canon film and analyzing them. To death. Frank Garcia Hale. Jeff Garlock in The Canon Canon. Evil, pure and simple from the eighth dimension. Grab them. Welcome to The Canon Canon. My name is Jeff Garlock. And I'm Frank Garcia, the Eighth Dimension Hail. Ooh, and from the Tenth Planet as well. <laughs> yeah, just or, keep adding numbers in there. Let's just make it more yeah. confusing. Just make it more confusing. And if you are a fan of the movie we're talking about, you will know exactly what we're talking about with all those little hints there. But this is the Canon Can, the podcast where we talk about Canon films and all of their amazing output, including. This movie today, which is let's both, explain it. Let's okay. let's explain ourselves here. So listen, because a people. lot of people are going to look and be like, "That's not canon." Exactly. So look, this is our podcast. We get to make the rules of how we do a canon film, and today's film is the Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai from the Eighth Dimension. In the Eighth Dimension. A dimension? What the hell is the dimension? <laughs> Either way, it is the adventures of Buckaroo Banzai and across the eighth dimension. There you not go. one of my versions was right. <laughs> so this is a movie that was not produced by Canon, but distributed by Canon in Germany slash through HBO Canon. So the as you know, and Frank, maybe you can even clear that up if you know more than I do in there. This mm. was us stumbling upon this, where we realize, of course, you know, Canon has so many different functions when they exist as a production company. They made their own movies. They did ones that they just like produced, but basically just bought and then put their name on. Yep. And then the heyday of video, they also were doing these odd distribution deals and there was one section of distribution deal that is c combined with hbo but only for germany <laughs> so in theory and this is what blew my mind this is why it's included we were uh doing what we do dicking around on youtube looking oh, yeah. at various old trailers mm-hmm and then all of a sudden either i or you text and we're just like wait a second why is there a candid logo before Buckaroo Banzai, a movie that I am very sure both of us are very familiar with and never associated with canon. No. Although now watching it under that lens, and we'll get into it, our catchphrase definitely feels like it has some canonisms to it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Especially the it, story behind the production and all that, yeah. Yeah, once you read about the production, we'll talk about it. It definitely, you're like, oh, this, why? I can't believe Golden Globus were behind this. <laughs> but so, yeah, we found a, a, a trailer website, a YouTube channel that had a whole bunch of movies that are on there that all of a sudden we're like, oh, we can cover The Hitcher. We can cover Death Warrant. Mm -hmm. We can cover a Buckaroo Banzai. Uh, so, yeah, so this one is a canon film, but not really, but it is. Right. Uh, we, we're loopholing this. We're loopholing it because, God damn it, this is our podcast. We get to loophole as much as we want. If we want <laughs> to do I hard know pivots, we just did a month of our Argento. And... <laughs> Look, did we'll, you we'll really want to? We'll get back to it. 
Did you really want us to jump immediately back into POW the escape? I mean, come on. No, we gotta, <laughs> Neither yeah, you, gotta we. <laughs> you gotta ease back in. Come on, baby. We're, it, yeah, this is the bridge. Me, me and Frank don't jump into pools. No. We ease into them. We, we dip I take toe. those small steps down in the shallow end. Exactly. When it gets to your penis, you're like, oh, boy. Gotta <laughs> <laughs> take it slower. But, yeah, so we're easing back in. Uh, also, for this one, want to apologize if you hear my nasally voice. Or <laughs> should I say... We're both getting over cold. Yeah. You're getting over, and I'm right in the middle. Yeah. Uh, although I want to say my more than usual nasally voice. I feel like sometimes yeah. I hear my voice. Like, oh, no. Jeff. Yeah, we're both... Uh, we're the, the amount of editing I have to do with uh, some of our <laughs> nose uh, sounds... If you listen to our commentary episodes where there's no editing... It's all on display there. Just Snorting and breathing. Our breathing, <laughs> snorting sounds. I think most of my back. time editing is just editing out our gross mouth and nose sounds. Jeff, I'm editing that out. No, no, what no. What you're no. going to oh. hear is <laughs> nothing because I'm editing that out. <laughs> God damn it. But so, yeah, so we are back from our hard pivot, but we are doing Buckaroo Bonsai. Uh, also, just want to say, hope you enjoyed that hard pivot month. Yeah. Uh, if you didn't check it out uh, and you're coming in here hot uh, because you're a big buckaroo bonsai head, we just came out of a whole month, Argentober, where we did nothing but Dario Argento movies. I had a blast. I did, too. Although, I, it's a, it, here's the beauty. We do such a niche podcast uh, of a world that is niche. And then it's like, and, and in my mind, I'm always like, Argento. Everyone loves Argento. Uh, and then I'm like, do you not, do you people not know Deep Red? Like, get in there. <laughs> like, yeah. sometimes I'm just shocked that after 43 years of living on this earth, I cannot understand what is like mainstream, quote unquote, right. to people and what isn't, uh, including Buckaroo Banzai. Yeah. <laughs> which is hey, so i want to start off by talking about it first frank do you like what is your relationship with bonsai before i saw this? it as a kid uh i remember loving it when i saw it but to be fair like it's it's one of those movies where i'm kind of shocked people like this really really stuck with people and it's like one of their favorite like kind of cults this is a huge cult movie and it's definitely has all the makings of it, you know, it's insane that this movie got made. Yes. And I have such huge respect and admiration for the fact that such a insane movie like this was made and it has that charm to it. But like, it was one that I just kind of like forgot because a lot of people in my circle just never talked about it. And it wasn't until I got to like New York, UCB. Right. That I heard, you know, people would mention it or reference it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. And then I <laughs> just never really rewatched it. And then recently it was on Amazon and I started to watch it, but I was so tired that I like fell asleep Uh huh. and I didn't finish it. So honestly, I haven't seen this movie since I was a kid. Yeah. So this was like my first viewing of it again in like 20 plus. I mean, more than that. Right. 25, 30 years. I mean, this is one. It is what you just said there, Frank, which I appreciate you saying, because I do think it's one of the themes to me of this podcast and why we do it is you and I are both enamored and fascinated with a not in a uh, not in a 
bad movie way because we talk about it all the time. We don't necessarily no. like bad movies. We just it's not our thing. Like we're not ironic watchers. Yeah. But we both appreciate how the hell did this get made? Yeah. Like and 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 not how did this get made? Yeah, not like in the, the how did this get made way. No, this is it. like we but because I think both of us just like you know, I think also both of us our ideas sometimes are way too big. Oh yeah. Like that we try to do and so yeah. we are constantly fascinated by uh, the fact that these things can be made, like yeah. and 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 I think also it's what you it's like it's you coming to New York. That's another reason why I like to do this. Is that like in my mind, it was it was always a movie I would like revisit every couple of years and I would see it, but I never would go out of my way. But I would always say I love Bonds, I love Buckaroo Bonsai, yeah. like in my head. But also, it was one of those movies when I would find out people don't know what I'm talking about. Much like I was saying earlier with Argentober, much I was saying with most of uh, my likes and loves, I was just like, really? Like, you don't know Banzai? Like, this is a movie that I've also, like, there was a period in the past couple years I was trying to figure out a way to do a Buckaroo Banzai-influenced, like, pilot like I, yeah. I and I remember I, we used to do this thing called pilot cram, where we would try to write a full pilot in a day, uh, and we kind of morphed the project around. But it was me and a couple of friends, uh, uh, Eric Cunningham, Madeline Baldanzi, sometimes Georgie Aldaco, and uh, yeah, there was a couple times where I was like trying to pitch a Buckaroo Banzai pilot for me to write, but that wouldn't be Buckaroo Banzai, but that was influenced by some sort of take on it, and I never did it mostly because. Both of them, especially, would just be like, I don't know what that is. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. And then yeah, I try to get explain the it. Point. Yeah. yeah. And you try to explain it. Fucking, I don't know what's going on in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't even completely understand what, if they know what's going on in this movie sometimes. It's a fever dream script. It's the kind of yeah. thing as a writer, you're like, I'm going to write something that I love. This will probably never see the, right, the light of day, but it's something I, I'm having a lot of fun with. Yeah. Definitely. And that's what it and, feels like to me. The, and the I script. think that's why you and I, again, do this podcast, gravitate towards these types of movies and projects. Yeah. Uh, your Garth Marenghi Dark Place, et cetera. Absolutely. Like the, the things we talk about all the time. Because I think also the two of us have a terrible gauge of what is a fever dream. <laughs> and what is not a fever and what is like a logical clear idea that makes right. sense to people when we're trying to write our own things where <laughs> it's like you know it's not like it's a simple office kind like unless we're forcing ourselves almost to yeah. be like i'm gonna write a simple office comedy i'm gonna write that i'm gonna pare it down yeah and then i still need especially we have to be like Pare it down some more, Jeff. Pull it back. <laughs> I was told to write a very like straightforward family uh, half hour sample, <laughs> and um, it was impossible for me. I had to add something weird to it or some angle, <laughs> yes. and I like ended up making them a uh, family uh, that runs a, a year round Halloween store. So it just like <laughs> so it's like yes. Uh, the young daughter is possessed by the spirit of Ed Gein for no particular reason. And, yeah. and, oh, no. What have I done? Oh, what, what happened? <laughs> yes. But, yeah, like, because that is uh, the beauty 
of the, again the things we love but also of buckaroo bonsai and the way to kind of appreciate it is that it is a little bit of a fever dream i mean to say like what's the basic log line of what this movie is <laughs> a a uh Doc Savage style polymorph, uh, rock star brain, uh, surgeon, uh, thermodynamicist, comic book star, uh, is trying to, uh, prevent the world from being destroyed by, uh, lectoids from the 10th planet through the 8th dimension. That's yeah. like the simplest version of it. And then there's like 20 other layers to it. <laughs> it does kind of have like a hitchhiker's. It's like almost like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy meets uh, old like 30s and 40s serials, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Because you, when you're watching meets it. Meets anime, you know. Meets anime. Yeah, because it is like I can you can you can totally understand why this movie flopped. Oh, and you yeah. can also totally understand why I think it was Leonard Maltin who, even when he first reviewed it, was like, this will become a cult film. Oh, yeah. But no one will like it now. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. It, because it's true. And, like, so, yeah, it's like, so I think, like, this is an important one, too. Uh, well, first we should get into any of the facts, and then we oh, should yeah. explain how the... I think this is important one to explain early on how the development of this movie came about. Because it actually... There's a lot. Yeah, I don't like to do the research before and then look at it after. And it's a little bit like, oh, I would have had some answers (laughs) if I had re-looked at how this fucking movie was made watching it. Uh, But what facts do we got about Banzai, buddy? So Banzai came out on August 15th, 1984, directed by W.D. Richter. And he wrote uh, Big Trouble in Little China, uh, which important I saw. Important to this movie. I, which I saw on IMDb is getting remade. Yeah. Oh, I'm wor- I think I'm, I'm sh- I think The Rock is attached. Okay. And it's going to completely destroy the entire idea. There is no way The Rock is going to allow Jack Burton to be the sidekick slash dummy of the movie. Which is what that movie is. But oh, yeah. Well, way to, way to ruin this movie already. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, he only directed one movie after this, which was Late for Dinner, uh, which is about two young men evading the police for a crime they didn't commit are cryogenically frozen in the, ni- in the early 1960s. Uh, the next thing they know is that they are in a strange new world 30 years on. So, yeah. Sounds about right. <laughs> uh, but it was written by Earl Mack Ra- Rausch, um, who didn't write other like much other than this. But he's one of those dudes who apparently. But the four things he wrote are wild. <laughs> yeah, well, but like he he's one of those dudes apparently that like you see this a lot in Hollywood, which is a pretty sweet gig that I'm trying to get into. Uh, Same <laughs> where it's just like you just write and develop stuff. You get paid a lot of money, but most of it just doesn't get made. I don't give a fuck if anything gets made at this point, Frank. I want yeah. you and me to just be sitting in our home offices, writing shit and just throwing it against the wall yeah. and just being like, where'd that check go? Great. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh I have this, uh, you know, check for uh, $10,000 just sitting here. I guess I should, <laughs> I guess I should deposit it. Ugh, I got to hook up home depositing at home because this is killing me going to the bank. Right. Uh <laughs> 
Um, but he also wrote Wired. Wrote Wired. Yes, that's like well the the, the screenplay for the TV movie starring Michael Chiklis. Yes, as John Belushi, the one where none of the people involved with John Belushi's life signed off on anything, so they had to rename all the. They couldn't say SNL. Uh, any of the, the, the samurai, <laughs> I think it was like, uh, ninja baseball or something. They had to change yeah. it. It was the brothers blues. They had to change so much and it was so, so bad. Uh, do you remember, do you have any idea what they called Saturday Night Live in it? I can't remember. I actually have it somewhere. Uh, the file of it, the movie somewhere. I think I have it on a, a jump drive somewhere. Cause Dan Chamberlain was the one who, I think found it and was like, we got to watch this. And we, I'm not sure I've ever seen it. I need to see it. I mean, it's, he also wrote New York, New oof. York, right? Which is like the Scorsese, like musical, <laughs> which is oh. wild. Uh, with, with Liza Minnelli and De Niro. Huh. And also a movie called a stranger is watching that I've never seen. That sounds pretty good, but directed by Sean S. Cunningham. Huh. From Friday the 13th. So, yeah. like, I, I continue to be intrigued by this man's career uh, yeah. as you get deeper and deeper. Uh, so, but yeah. the budget was $17 million, which is pretty pricey for 84 Yeah, that's $84 uh, right there. I'm going to have to look up how much Ghostbusters... I guess Ghostbusters was, like, uh, 30 but like, But anyway, uh, $6 million was the gross, the total gross... Woof. Yowzers. So the Yowzer, top 10 Yowzer. movies were Ghostbusters, Indiana Jones, and the Temple of Doom, Gremlins, Karate Kid, Police Academy, Footloose, Beverly Hills Cop, Star Trek Three, The Search for Spock, Terms of Endearment, Romancing the Stone. Where do you think this came in, Jeff? 47. 107th. Whoa! Why was I so helpful to them wow yeah that was very helpful so the other canon releases this year uh baby love the big t's uh over the brooklyn bridge sahara breaking making the grade soldier of the night the naked face order ordeal by innocence i'm almost not crazy john cassavetes the man and his work uh, Sword of the Valiant, Love Streams, Bolero, Exterminator 2, Rally Around the Moon, boy! <laughs> Ninja 3, The Domination, Forced Witness, Missing in Action, and Breaking 2, Electric Boogaloo. Uh, wow. So, Electric Three Boogaloo. Three quarters of those we will never cover. Yeah. I'm going to guarantee. Exactly. I'm going to tell you that right now. Sorry, Canon fans. Sorry. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, Breaking 2 beats uh, this coming in 102, and then this beat. Exterminator 2 that came in at 133. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's that's even more of a dog at the box office than I thought. Yeah. Um, uh, which is why. And I, but that's one where it's good to hear the top 10 because it totally. Great puts year it, for movies. Yeah. Great year for movies. And also makes sense why this movie would exist a little bit more. Like, it's just like those are the type of romps that it could live amongst. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think it's be it's just such a kind of a mess of a movie. Uh, oh yeah. It's I think it's just kind of hard for the audience probably to grab onto it, and and when you're competing with all of those films, to be like, and I'm also going to go see Buckaroo Banzai. 
Like, if you got the choice, you're going to go to these other ones, yeah. you know? Uh, yeah, because so this is where we should talk a little bit about how this was made. Um, so as far as I could tell, so you've got W.D. Richter. W.D. Richter did a whole bunch of shit. Invasion of the Body Snatchers, fantastic, the 70s one. Um, but, you know, applying to this movie the most, he is, uh, he's mostly known in this genre world for, he is, he's, he adapted Big Trouble in Little China. Okay. Because, yeah, because it was like, it, it was one of those scripts that existed. And I think the original version, it was supposed to happen in the 1800s. And it was in Chinatown, but it's like one of those where who knows how much they really kept of the original idea. Uh, and then I think because of that, the it had like so much of a change, but also it's like, you know, Writers Guild rules where he had to get an adapted by credit, but he basically wrote it. Yeah. Um, uh, and then I think, you know, uh, 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 what the hell is it? Oh, Kurt Russell came in and John Carpenter and they gave their input as well. So... You know, there are some parallels with the type of movie that this is uh, uh, and with some of the movies that he did just, you know, in general. Um, he, I will say, too, again, he's, you know, he he did. I never watched Stealth. Did you ever watch Stealth? No. That was that movie. I want to say it had who was in the it was like about. Yeah, Jessica Biel and Jamie Foxx. It was about like a stealth bomber. That's like the last oh, real movie. Okay, he did. okay. Yes. No, now I know. Now I know. Yes. Yeah, uh, I have it on my shelf. Yeah, exactly. But he also did need the stealth on my shelf for <laughs> screenplay for Needful Things. Oh uh, wow! Yeah, which is one I I really like that Stephen King book. But also Home for the Holidays. <laughs> that yeah, that Holly Hunter holiday movie about fucked up family, which is a solid move. Yeah. Um. So I, if I'm get, I'm, I'll probably will get the facts wrong exactly of how this worked. But like, so W. D. Richter, he saw that Earl Mac Rauch was a novelist, and he wrote this book that uh, Richter's wife liked a lot. And he was, she was like, "You should talk to this guy," but get some scripts in. He ended up talking to him, having some meal, and a bunch of meals, and then ended up like getting him in the world we kind of talked about, where he was just kind of writing shit. Um, and one of the things that uh, I think Richter gravitated towards, again, if you're a big bonsai head, you might I'm probably getting some of this wrong, but he had an idea for this character called Buckaroo Bandy. Mm -hmm. And it was basically like the start of this kind of Doc Savage-y style uh, character. And Doc Savage is, of course, like the uh, first superhero, quote unquote. He was like a pulp uh, comic and novel uh, character that basically was just like, I'm a doctor, but I'm also super strong, and I've done everything in the world. Uh, he's kind of what Johnny Quest ends up being uh, in a lot of ways. Um, they, you know, Hollywood threatens a Doc Savage uh, movie every year, basically. Which I think at one point The Rock was attached to. Totally makes sense. I mean, him just being charming and a fake doctor. Uh, there. I think we talked about. It. There's no way, Canon didn't try to do a Doc Savage at some oh, yeah. point because I'm pretty sure it's public domain. Also at this point, but either way, he wrote this Buckaroo Bandy character, and I think Richter suggested that it become Bonsai, which he never loved at one point. Yeah. Um, and because he wanted it to be like a 70s like kung fu movie, 
in some ways. <laughs> but so reading about it, like this is why it the movie makes more sense seeing how it worked is. So he basically started, he would keep writing Buckaroo Banzai scripts and get like 50 pages in, like 75 pages in, and then just stop. And some of that these just wrote like books. Yeah, like he did <laughs> what you and me are always doing and what most writers are doing. But so he would just keep starting and then get kind of bored with where it was going and then throw it in a drawer and then start another one. And he yeah. wrote piles of these, like a surprising amount. And then when they finally made the movie, they kind of Frankenstein monstered it a little bit with a lot of these ideas. So like in like one version, there would be uh, like lizard aliens and then it would morph into lectoids. And then in one thing, they had the eighth dimension and then they had the 10th planet in another. And then they're like, fuck it. Let's just bang them all together. <laughs> and so that it, when you realize that that's how this was created, that it's almost like it's almost like a character created by a focus group, but the focus group is one guy. You know what I mean? Because he never actually creates these things until the final script that gets produced. And, you know, when this movie starts, you really just jump into it. And I do like, it was part of the thing of like, whenever I've been like, can I do something like a bonsai is throwing you into a world because they really do just throw you into this world and just expect you to catch up. Oh, yeah. They've got the intro that is basically just like, hey, here's Buckaroo Banzai. His mother was American. His father was Japanese. And he also is a brain you could surgeon. Tell Peter and, Weller. Yeah, <laughs> you get it, right? It's in there. He's got his kimono on at one Wolf. point. Yeah. Um, but they kind of just throw all this stuff at you. They're just like, yeah, he's got comic books about him. He's a rocket scientist. And he does this. And just accept it. And he's a rock and, star. And he's a rock star. Uh, and he does everything. And so you, I do like that basic idea, like how they kind of play out that story. Uh, and, and I'm always intrigued by trying to do that myself and seeing that in movies. But it is a little bit that like why I think it ultimately didn't work for people and why it became a cult film is once it starts, you're just, you really are thrown in and you just have to kind of keep up. Like, it's just like... And there's a lot of just deal with it. Like, this is what it's going to be. I don't know. Like, that's just, it, it is just how it is. Yeah, this is the world. Yeah, he's a rock star and he just is a rock star. Just deal with the, yeah, even what, if his what, music what more is do not you need great. to know? What? <laughs> right. What? Yeah, exactly. It's like they're threatening. They're like, what do you need? What do you want? What, what else here. do you want? What else do you want? We, <laughs> right. got, we, gave, we gave you some backstory. Now let, let's just enjoy it, okay? Just enjoy, why can't you just enjoy anything? Why can't you just enjoy it? It's a movie. <laughs> yeah, but I guess yeah, yeah, just watch. Get, 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 get. Yeah, because it is, and so like that's why they also had the ability to be like, oh, this is going to become a series. Like, get ready for the next installment at the end of the movie, yep. Buckaroo Banzai versus the World Crime Organization or the World Crime Federation. Something like that. Which was its own script. He started writing that at one point. It was just yeah. like, eh, fuck it. <laughs> um, and so you, I think there sometimes is an odd disconnect while you're watching it because you think you're supposed to, un, you think you're supposed to know this world, 
but it's seemingly unknowable. Like it's like I started to feel like a dumb movie watcher watching it with a critical eye because I just kept writing down. Well, this is weird. Yeah, I mean, that's just weird. (laughs) You have to kind of let that go because of the immediately the world you're thrown into is like, well, why am I being too critical when none of this makes sense from the get go? Right away. I I had to look up. I was like, wait, was this based on like some kind of, you know, manga or something like that or like some kind of like comic book? You know, I wasn't sure. I was like, no, it's just its own thing. It's just amalgamation of. Right. Yeah. Well, because it's, it's, here's the, you end up in this like mental conundrum. Cause even reading about it, when you're like, wait, you were going for a 70s kung fu movie at one point? Like, <laughs> that's not in there. So you're like, it's clearly referencing tropes, but I don't know what the tropes are. <laughs> like, yeah. like, I don't know. You know, you're left with a lot of like, why 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 and and you're like okay pretty what's his name pretty tony or pretty i'm constantly blanking on how did what exactly is that character's name i keep changing it every time uh it's pretty 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 uh oh perfect tommy perfect tommy yeah uh 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 yes so like perfect Tommy, you're like, okay, clearly this is like a reference to something. Like he's supposed to be something. Like, but that's the thing, because like what he is, you know, Buckaroo Bonsai is essentially surrounded by a crew. Yeah, like um, Elvis. Like Elvis, exactly. <laughs> and they all have nicknames and they all have roles. Uh but also like their their roles. Their roles exist in it with a lot of references to other Buckaroo Banzai adventures. It's like a whole movie of in Halloween 3. Yep, I did it. (laughs) When Chalice is going to talk to the woman who works in the corridor's office. And he's walking her out. And he's talking about promising her dinners. And he goes, do you still have that? (laughs) <laughs> yeah i remember and they just like are referencing something that happened and there's yeah. no and it's supposed to be a familial thing like they know each other so well but you're like every time i watch halloween 3 i'm always just like what are you talking about what <laughs> like it's not enough information it's for probably me to, a 90 jeff yes. it's probably yeah i assume it's a 90 that he spilled beer on oh yeah uh, <laughs> sorry uh, this doesn't happen all the time <laughs> this usually doesn't happen always yeah. uh, i'm a fucking drunk um but so like yeah because you're like you're unclear about the characters because they're acting like this is like the fifth installment i think that's what it is they act like this is the yep. fifth installment of this movie because there have been many versions of this written and then also that there it's like it's playing off of tropes but you're not positive of what tropes they are and sometimes i would be like maybe it is like a doc savage thing and i don't remember it there was a point where i was like are we does perfect tommy have a crush on bonsai or does he not like like there's like a and 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 then i'd be like wait this other character has a wife is that important that he's got a wife, but it's just maybe his second wife and then not. And like, there's just like a lot of information and that's what this movie is. It's an information dump. Well, it's basically like he knows the world. The writer knows the world and he's lived with it. 
So he's referencing all these things, but we're not familiar with it. But he's like, yeah, you know, like because of this. And you're like, I haven't read it, dude. Like, <laughs> right. you're the only one. Right. Uh, and then, granted, again, it is also uh, very canon in that, you know, it's the world that this guy created, Earl Mac Rauch, with an input from Richter. But then also the producer, Sidney Beckerman, apparently like was like had a lot of input too. So he would just come oh. in and just like change shit and it's like piss cooks. people off. A lot of cooks. I think that's what ends up happening is you just have like a lot of fucking cooks there. And when it's a lot of cooks trying to use, you know, all of the elements that they had from like 20 different versions of this character it just gets a little it gets a little bit mushy it gets a oh, little yeah. bit mushy um and because even like things like i started to see in like the imdb trivia and stuff like where you'd be like all right so these aliens created a company called yo-yo dine like is that a joke or is it not a joke yeah but then i looked up and i was like oh it's a reference to a thomas pinchon novel Right. Like, what? you're like, okay, now it's getting literary, too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's just so much stuff in it. Uh, I do find it interesting. I don't know if you saw this, but uh, Jamie Lee Curtis was in this at one point. Yeah. She played Bonsai's mother. Exactly. Uh, did you watch the, op- the, the scene with her in it? No, I meant to go to YouTube to watch it, but I didn't have time. It's kind of worth watching. So it, it was like there was an original beginning that was home movies, uh, home movies of Bonsai as a kid. And it does clear up what is going on a little bit. Uh-huh. And so that's the thing. You know, also, this is like one of the first movies that I was like, I might have to find the deleted scenes and get the extras because there's a lot of stuff that feels like they probably tried out and then we're just like, ah, fuck it. Like, we're not going to bother. Even the fact that I think there is a, almost like a pop-up videos. I think I read this right. on one of the DVDs uh, of Pinky Carruthers, yeah. who is a throwaway character in this fucking movie. Yeah. But it's him giving facts about the characters, which would flesh out a lot of stuff, maybe of being like, oh, that's what's going on with Jeff Goldblum? Oh, that's who this fucker is? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the intro, the if you watch it, the intro that was cut is basically home movies. You see Jamie Lee Curtis as the mother, and they explain that this rocket car is a lot more, like, how important it is, and that exactly what they're trying to do. Um, uh, the connection to the professor um, uh, uh, and it's all narrated by Clancy Brown as Rawhide. Nice. Uh, so I guess it's supposed to be part of the, like the Buckaroo Banzai archives. Um, <laughs> yeah. But see, they makes, could have just done yeah. that in the movie, like do it in a style of like uh, Ocean's Eleven introduction or even like a Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, when they're yeah. all being detained and uh, Peter Serafanowitz and um, John C. Riley are like, you know, talking about them and like going through their history and whatnot. Yes. Yeah, I think we I I I wish for I think what would have made this movie maybe work was if they had like I remember reading recently or like 
I think I was telling you this. I was like, someone was like almost complaining that they thought it was weird. I remember where I got this fact that that like Stephen King like had like a researcher for his own books, like to remember what the fuck he wrote, especially for like the Dark Tower. Yeah. Like, and they were just like, <laughs> yeah. that seems weird. How do you not remember? But I'm just like, how no. would he? He's written so much. Yeah. He needs a fact check to just like verify. Like, I think I was reading about the Dark Tower where it was like, he's got a character and then like four books later, a town is called that character's name. He just forgot because he's writing nonstop. Yeah. But that's what this movie maybe needed was like, it feels like everyone was like too, too close to it. Right. And they needed to find someone who could be you know what they needed? They maybe maybe he would have made it too masculine then, but they needed like a John Milius to come <laughs> in and just be like, This is what's wrong with it, and just like be a dick about it. Yeah. To give the suggestions that even you just said of those little bits of like, I think we're getting a little too mushy. Like, let's just throw in a way to explain exactly what the fuck is going on with Bonsai. Yeah. Like and 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 because I think we've also talked about this. I think one of the problems of using Doc Savage, Doc Savage as a reference is just not enough people are familiar enough with Doc Savage and the tropes of Doc Savage. Yeah. That's like old men writing for younger people. Like it but when it was that age, like where it's just like, we all grew up on Doc Savage. And it's like, nah, man. <laughs> Like, you need someone to fucking guide you through this, because no one remembers, like, yeah. you know? It's like us uh, me- mentioning Bazooka Joe or uh, Mac Tonight. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I'm, I would not be, if I was writing a script, I would not be, I don't think I'd be upset if they were like, we're going to bring in a pop culture checker for you. Oh, yeah. Like, because all of your references are way too old. Way old, yeah. And I'm aware of that because I all my references were way too old when I was a child as well. It's just <laughs> the way it's always worked. Um, what is this yeah. Petticoat Junction <laughs> reference? Man, I can make so many Petticoat Junction references without even <laughs> watching that show ever. Like, that's one that somehow has made it through the lexicon for me. <laughs> um, I love it. Some joke about the little dog from Petticoat Junction. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I think they just needed someone to be like... You guys lost the narrative thread a little bit. Like, you, I didn't read this. And and they they should have hired someone who had never read the 20 versions of Buckaroo that uh, Rouch had written before. Yeah. So that, yeah. I feel like this would be like an uncredited thing that like James Cameron or um, even uh, Joss Whedon or, you know, uh, Brad yeah. Bird, somebody like early in their career would have come in and to like kind of clean it up. Dude, Joss Whedon in this? Yeah, because then Bonsai could have at one point just been like, um, that happened. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just make it snarky. Kevin Williamson comes in and does the draft somehow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, I just think like, it just would have helped. Uh, because not only is just the movie weird, Part of this came from just watching the the movies that made us and watching the RoboCop episode and being like, Peter Weller is weird. Like, he's yeah. just, they all seem to agree. And it's just like, if you're getting input from him, he just seems like an odd man in a great way. But that's what this whole movie is. It's also, it's like mind blowing how many people are in it. But also, is every actor like one of the weirdos? You know what I mean? Every, like, it's all, it's like every character actor you can think of. 
Yeah. I was like, whoa, Jonathan Banks. Like, yeah, I mean, like. It's nonstop. Jonathan yeah. Banks, the guy, uh, the, uh, the cop from Midnight Run. Yeah. And Beverly Hills Cop shows up as one in one scene. Yeah. Like, I mean, just even the fact that you've got early Goldblum. Oh, you yeah. You've got Clancy Brown. Hell yeah. Uh, you've got fucking Peter Weller. Yeah. Uh, 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 Christopher Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd. Uh, the guy, the other alien. The um, organ grinder from Batman Returns. Um, oh, Vincent. Yeah, Vincent Chiavelli. Uh, Chiavelli, yeah. Chiavelli. Uh, who Dan I think ha- I, uh, Hedaya. <laughs> yeah, Dan Hedaya, crazy. Um, Bill Henderson even showing up as Casper the dad. Oh yeah, uh, it's just so uh, Pepe Laura Serna Harrington, as Reno yeah. Nevada. Like he's like just like another character actor. <laughs> uh, even Lewis Smith uh, playing Perfect Tommy, yeah. uh, who I knew from uh, uh, what is that movie? He's an angel. I think apparently shows up in Django on Shade too. It's like, oh. uh, but yeah, he's in. Uh, oh, the Heavenly Kid. Yes, uh, yeah, yes, he's the yes, greaser. The yeah, but even Ellen Barkin as Penny Pretty. I mean, Ellen Barkin's got a weird career too. Which also, while I was watching this, I was like, should I rewatch Sea of Love? <laughs> like, what an <laughs> erotic Smirnoff? Yeah, dude, Yakov Smirnoff. I wrote in big capital letters Schmierdoff appearance, but also playing a character named Schmierdoff. Like <laughs> this is one of those worlds where like all of the characters. Oh my god, I'm also freaking out a little because I'm looking. The guy who played uh, President Widmark, who clearly was supposed to look like uh, Orson Welles, your boy, <laughs> right. uh, is played by Ronald Lacey, who's the Nazi in. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Wow. Because he's in a lot of fucking makeup. And apparently he did an Orson Welles like teleplay or something like that. Um, Interesting. So like this, yeah, it's like, it's like Deadwood, man. This is a fucking Deadwood of weird actors. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm psyched about all of them. Yeah. Like, but it's Deadwood on a a mushroom and acid trip. Oh my God. Yes, it (laughs) is. Because again, we talked about like, trying to give like the log line of it but it's just i know we keep saying it but it can't be said enough there's just so much information that you can't keep up with it it's like as i think why i'm saying that is like as i look at the actors i'll be like oh yeah that actor brought that weirdness to this movie uh-huh. oh that actor character that character brought this like just everybody's like, making a strong choice they're making a strong choice. So everyone, every actor is making a strong choice. Every, the director made strong choices nonstop. Every choice of the screenwriter is a strong choice. Like it might be the stinky cheese of movies in a good way. <laughs> yeah. Like where it's just like you. It's when you walk into like like I remember like the Bedford Cheese Shop. Oh yeah. <laughs> in Williamsburg, where you'd walk in, you'd be like, "Whoa, Hoo-wee. it is doggy. It Pee-ee. is like." And then all of a sudden, Frank Stewart is Jim Vardy. I go, (laughs) nothing but stinky feet cheese. Ernest scared cheesy. Um, But (laughs) but like you 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 can't help but get overwhelmed by the amount of strong choices. Yeah, (laughs) I think even. So how this basically this movie starts is they've got a rocket car that yeah. can go 500 miles per hour. Yeah, yeah. and kind of like uh, Chuck Norris is in uh, Lone Wolf McQuaid. 
Exactly. Like if you buried this car, it would definitely get out. You just need to <laughs> you dump pour beer yourself, on yourself. Douse yourself in beer and you... <laughs> You'll know so, what we're talking about in a few weeks. <laughs> yes, exactly. Unless you're a Patreon member, patreon.com slash the candy candy. Get on it. But um, so they're in this rocket car that's using electronuclear carbonation. <laughs> they just throw words together. And I, even though they said it a billion times, I can't remember what the main piece is that they're trying to use. But they've got a piece that will make it go super fast. Uh-huh. And uh, they go off course. And the idea is it's a little bit like the Flash, where like atoms have space in between them. So they're going to go so fast that they go through matter. That's the main thing. And they emphasize it in that cut scene with Jamie Lee Curtis. Like that is like the crux of all of, I mean, they clearly they talk about it, but like that's the crux of all of their research. Um, and but the way they even describe it in the video is so that they can go through a wall. Like, that's really the, just the end result. But what happens is they go through it, and when you go through the wall, you enter the eighth dimension, which looks like... Uh, it looks like the beginning of fucking uh, The X-Files. Like, it's like a kind of <laughs> yeah. almost, like, early 90s. Like, you could picture, like, a Stabbing Westward song over oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's got a little bit of uh, the Bill and Ted you know, tunnel thing, yes. you know, where they're going through time or, um, what am I With thinking With that big of? pig song. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it is like that. And, and uh, yeah, so it's like this, like kind of like early graphics, but like squished, uh, lawnmower uh, man-esque. Yeah. Lower, yes, it is very early lawnmower man-esque. Uh, and in there they see these, so this is part of, again, the information I don't completely understand somehow through the eighth dimension, that's how aliens from the tenth planet travel to us. Yes, and which they, is but a they, theory. Yes, about about aliens is that they're not from space; that they travel through dimension to to visit us. Again, why it's a wild movie because there's so much that's just like made up mythos, but then they are playing into some basic science, like some scientific right. theorems, literary references, like Pinchon references, <laughs> like an amalgam of every low class, high class thing all at once, which again, why I think you and I kind of like gravitate towards this in these types of movies is, Oh yeah. The mashup of low class, high class is like fucking <laughs> slobs versus snobs in a movie, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, so also apparently, uh, uh, professor Hakita, that actor wanted that role super bad, and he made up his own old man makeup. Oh, uh, yeah, when he went into audition, yeah. Yeah, he wanted it real bad. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, so, so they enter, and they basically, they kind of, they something gets stuck to the car. Uh, yeah, like I a was weird unclear about... Wh- sucker wh- ball? <laughs> yeah, it looked like a mad ball, but like uh, really yes. disgusting. Yeah. Or I like this, one of the eggs from Critters. Yes, it does look like a Critter egg. So I guess that's the thing. Like, l- let's just try to do a little clear up for both of us that neither of us yeah. will be able to clear up. So okay. I also, there's there's two different types of aliens, right? There's uh-huh. red and black. Yes. And the red are the bad, in theory, quote unquote bad. That's Christopher yeah. Lloyd. That's all the John characters. Because all the aliens have a John 
to add more information to what this movie is, we find out halfway through from Jeff Goldblum, who has joined Buckaroo Banzai's crew, which I'll we have to look up the name because I can't and remember. And surgical their... crew. It, he's yeah. in his surgical crew, and I guess now I've just got question upon question. Why did he join? Did Banzai ask him to join? The Hong Kong Cavaliers. Yeah, the he's Hong asking Kong Cavaliers? The, he's asking him to join, one, his surgical team, but then yep. also, but if you, you get brought on then, or there, you're part of the crew okay. of the Hong Kong Cavaliers, because he asked if he could play too, right? Yes. Yes, he wanted to play in the band as well. <laughs> and apparently why he's in that cowboy art, art uh, uh, uniform is because he the thought is he thought because of the name Buckaroo he should dress like a cowboy. <laughs> but also but they he all knows have, about it. I know. That's the thing we Which all know about it. Buckaroo Bonsai is a culture. That's the thing we maybe have emphasized but need to really emphasize. In this movie, Buckaroo Bonsai is a culture. There are comic books about him. We yeah. see the Marvel comic about Buckaroo Bonsai that says another thrilling adventure, but is also uh, issue number one. We see the adventures of Buckaroo Banzai video game, which either they didn't want to pay the money to make an actual game, or they were imagining that these guys in the mental ward were crazy, quote unquote. So they're just playing the put a quarter in screen because I'm pretty sure it's just like the beginning of Asteroids <laughs> yeah. uh, or something. But he has his own video game. He's got a band that in theory is huge, but they're kind of just playing a small club. Unless yeah. it is like when my band Panthers open for Beck because Beck just wanted to try out some songs at the Echo. Um, but so there's a culture that Jeff Goldblum's character as New Jersey, which is what he becomes because he's from New Jersey. Or is he yeah. just picked that? Unclear. There's also a throwaway line. I know I've gone question layer upon layer. We'll pull back. We'll pull back on the tabs. But. I think there was a throwaway line from the Secretary of State or whatever that character's name was who had clearly set up something with the aliens to get a bomber. So he yeah. maybe I guess they're implying that the government or some part of the government has funded Yo-Yo Dine, maybe. So they are in league with the aliens. Yes. It's kind of a they live sort of thing. That's what uh, I wrote down, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which I then up watching after I finished Bucker Bonds. I oh, watched nice. They Live last I know, night. I want to rewatch it. Uh, it's a good rewatch. Um, it really is like so like on the nose, but like in where you're like, but this is literally right now. Like there's a whole speech in the middle where you're just like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. We have, will we ever learn? Like, but there's a throwaway line of something about, I think he's saying to the president that. All of the Hong Kong Cavaliers use these fake names and have their records hidden. Yeah. But it's very they're all throwing. foreigners and Yeah. And I was which, like, these look like the whitest white men ever. Where is Clancy Brown forwarding from? Fucking yeah. Texas. Like Jesus Rawhide. <laughs> rawhide. Like fucking down home, fucking working class member of the Hong Kong Cavaliers. Um, but so yeah, he should know about that. But so pulling back, uh, I guess going back in the tabs. So there's two alien races. The yep. red are bad, and they're the ones who have been here. That's the John Big Booty, uh, <laughs> which is a joke throughout. Uh, yeah, Big and Booty as a kid, I loved. Ugh, it is such a good it's kid so joke. Funny as, yeah, so yeah. funny. So um, funny. And then, so 
where it also continues to be confusing. And you're like, this is where it felt canon, where you're like, I guess, is it problematic? It is, but I don't know. Like, why exactly are the black aliens Rastafarian Jamaicans? Yeah. There's a lot of um, 80s... um, (laughs) Would this be... 80s handling with race. If we were doing... Yeah, if we were doing... Like how now they have to put like language, smoking cigarettes, etc. I feel like if we were doing that for our individual episodes, all we would have to write is just eighties racism. Yeah. Like where you're like <laughs> Yeah. 80s racism not, and appropriation. Yeah. Right. Where it's like it's not this like in your like you're not gonna be watching like racial epithets being thrown around, etc. But you'll just be like, ugh. I don't know about all that. <laughs> like, yeah. um, and, and, and because why it also to me did feel like, oh, Cannon did have a hand in this, uh, is that like, it's unclear why they made the choice. And you want to know if it's like in one of the other scripts, if there's a reason why the good aliens are all Jamaican and speak with kind of thick accents and all have dreads. But only in vision, because again, it's it's there's a there's a they live quality to it. Yep. Where they have been, we realize halfway through again, all this episode is going to be us trying to parse through the information. Yeah. Is that we they try to part they they let us know that there is a uh, a thing in the air that the aliens have breathed out that make it so we can't see. <laughs> That they are aliens. So it's tricking us into thinking they all are, in that case, are Jamaican people with dreads. But they still have thick Jamaican accents. And the only way to end up seeing it for good is not to have the lenses like or the sunglasses and they live. But instead, a Fremen-style still suit <laughs> made out of a BMX armor like plate that you wear when you're BMX racing with a snorkel that you maybe have to suck on now and then? Maybe? Yeah, it doesn't really come in after they introduce it too much. Right. Except, Except just Jeff Goldblum's great... always sucking on it. Yeah, but that was a great gag. Man, Goldblum's so good, though, when he makes that, like, he looks back and he does that look because he's, yeah. he's seeing the alien. Um, oh, and yeah. to pull back again from another tab we have here. Yeah, so Jeff Goldblum realizes... That what we are, again, it's nothing but an information dump. Sometimes it's almost yeah. like what actually happens in this movie. But pretty much every scene is an information dump. Every fucking scene. <laughs> so we Jeff Goldblum realizes that all of these aliens with John slash whatever their last name, why some of them are like John O'Neill and then some are John Smallberries. Like, why were they fucking right. with some of them? But... They all showed up on the same day and all got generated social security cards on the same day, which leads me to think the government is involved in that. It, but it was what we find out is that when Orson Welles made the announcement on war about War <laughs> of the Worlds that aliens were invading, in fact, that was a real announcement. And then he pulled it back because either he was brainwashed or working with the aliens to cover up that that's when all of the John Big Boutte, et cetera, showed up to then eventually start Yo-Yo Dine Industries, 
so that they could get back to their planet? What is their end goal? It doesn't seem to be world domination exactly. I thought it was. But aren't they just trying to leave at the end? Or are they going to come no, back? No, they're, and... they're trying to open up the dimension so that way they can take it over. Oh, That's why yes. they have the bomber, yeah. Because also in this, John Lithgow is a scientist who worked with Buckaroo Banzai's family. Yes. And he tried to go through, but he went in too early, and he got stuck in the eighth dimension. And then and got... got possessed. Yes. By Lord John Warfin. Yes. Who is a dictator. Yes, Mussolini type dictator. Who's a Mussolini type dictator. And so also then John Lithgow speaks in a crazy Italian accent that was taught to him by the tailor (laughs) on set who got a uh vocal coach credit or something but really all he did was the tailor on set had a hugely thick italian accent so he would just kind of copy that yeah (laughs) he would he would tape him saying the lines and he would just imitate it which is amazing uh yeah uh again we're not even trying like trying to figure out what the plot is is not it's more of just figuring out information dump stuff oh yeah it's a it's a little bit of a fool's errand but um yes so so also in there, so so we find out that I, I'm trying to even figure out what we find out. Like we find out so much. <laughs> we find out that he's it's a rock a little star. hard to keep track of because it's so it feels like so like now this thing, now this thing, now this thing, now this thing, yeah. without like a real kind of through line plot that it's really hard to keep track of what's happening when or how. Yeah, like I I'm realizing as you're saying it is like it's the interesting feat of this movie is that I'm on board the whole time, but every scene I'm like, what is going on? Why are you giving me more information? How am I supposed to understand what is what was the information you gave me in the last scene? And it just ends up being a like when you finally get to certain parts, there's a little bit of just like, what, how did we get there? How did we and did we need to have that scene before? Um and that's why I was asking if it's about world domination, because I kind of lost the thread a little bit. I just kind of like lost what was supposed to be going on. Like, what was the end goal of the aliens? Like, what was the end goal of most of what Banzai was doing, like, in some of it? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah, because he's the one who mentioned the fact of, like, what their their goal was. But right. Banzai did, yeah. Does he do that at the end? Uh, no, it's like somewhere towards the middle. Is it in that crazy pre- press conference where he lets Penny right. come to the press conference? Right. Man, Ellen Barkin, I, I mean, she is kind of wasted on this movie. Yeah. She basically is there to be uh, quote-unquote hysterical and then also just look hot. <laughs> like, it just yeah. kind of, she doesn't and do mission much. accomplished on both. I yeah. mean, don't get me wrong. Like, she, yeah, she's there to almost exist as... It's a weird move again where they got around some... They got around some, like, uh, kind of almost, like, easier plot moves by making it more complicated and maybe touching upon stuff in these other scripts that he maybe wrote 
But well, yeah, the the villain who runs the world crime uh, thing, uh, it was mentioned. The guy, the big, his like arch nemesis. It was like mentioned, but they cut it out of the actual movie. Right. But his arch nemesis like had actually killed his wife. We find out Penny is the identical twin to Peggy. Right. And then she's a doctor, so she also knows all this stuff. Yes. So. But for some reason, she's also at the uh, Hong Kong Cavaliers concert and is going to kill herself. Yeah, she has no money left. She has nothing left, but she had money to get into the Hong Kong Cavaliers show yeah, and at you this know, that's cocktail lounge. Don't buy the ticket if you can't do it, you know? Uh, but like, She was going to shoot herself in front of the crowd. Was that so? Her plan was to do that to like make a big stink, or to like, yeah, thought, it's just yeah, unclear to me. I thought I thought I remembered maybe I'm misremembering that she was gonna kill him for a certain reason. I can't remember, or she just was gonna kill herself there just for attention. I can't remember. Right. Now people are yelling at their phones. I'm sure being like, "You idiot!" It's no way. If yeah. you even if you're a bonsai head. I, I that's part of the charm of it. We're saying it yeah. in a positive way is that it is very unclear of what is happening. I mean it, there's even it's it says that most of the actors didn't get what was going on yeah, while they, they were, were shooting like... it. <laughs> they just they just trusted. They just trusted it would be a romp and it yeah. is. Like that that's the thing is the mission is accomplished. It's a fucking romp. It's a romp and a half. Uh, well, the tone of that scene is different, too, because it had a different cinematographer that ended up getting fired who right. wanted to do it a certain way. And then they hired somebody that wanted to make it more uh, kind of kitschy and yeah. flat. Which is a weird because that's a move from the producer. The producer wanted this other guy in. And it is a bad move because there is something in the shoot the the it does feel surprisingly flat. It does feel like the, yeah. the way it looks like feels uh uh it's just like feels muted in a weird yeah. way and, and and the description of that some of the scenes that we do have would have been a little bit more like primary colored out and like kind of like bigger visually makes sense like if you're um, yeah. not that you should dick tracy it where like no you but know, it needs like some pulpy cartoonish well to guide us yeah. to what it is like if he's a comic book character like let it be a little bit more comic booky but it felt like, like scott pilgrimy yeah yeah but they made it like they lean with that cinematography it's like it leans into this is just everyday life like a little bit maybe too hard which then makes it confusing when you're like this is way beyond everyday life like uh and and still please explain to me how this band is popular i gotta say they're yeah. not a very good band <laughs> no uh when they're playing that song i was like okay they <laughs> Oh, I said this is some Miami connection like music. Yeah, it is. I said, "What is this?" And ass music. Or, I don't know what I said. And <laughs> ass music. I think I meant to say, "What is this bland ass music?" I think. Right. I think I wrote it's like a Bruce Willis. If like it's a Bruce. Oh Willis. my god! Return like, of Bruno. Yeah. It's a return of. Br it's like a fucking. It's a celebrity becoming a rock star sort of. Absolutely. Out where you're like, wait, what's thirty he? odd grunts or whatever. Yeah, it's a thirty odd grunt. Like is is bonsai. That, that equivalent in this world where everyone's just like, no, no, it's cool. It's cool. Let Johnny Depp play like, yeah. sort of thing I'm with Hollywood play bass. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I got to see P. P's a great band, man. I got to go see Dogstar, man. 
Do- I just want to clear up now for me, just for our knowledge. So Dogstar is the band that Keanu played bass Keanu. in, right? Is yeah. there anyone in that band of note? Not and have you ever heard Dogstar? In my mind, these are all bands you would hear over me. Yes. I have heard Dogstar. How is it? What's it sound like? Do you remember? Dog shit. Yeah, that's what I thought. So P is the band that had maybe Johnny Depp on guitar, but Gibby Haynes from Butthole Surfers on vocals. Yeah. Did you ever hear P? No. I'm more interested in P just for the Gibby Haynes aspect. Yeah. Hollywood Vipers or whatever the fuck that is. I know about that. That's bullshit. <laughs> like, Johnny Depp is like so weird because he played on an Oasis album too. He played like slide guitar on um, uh, Not Be Here Now, uh, the one that was after. Anyway, but yeah, I think. Besides him being a monster, yeah. his taste level is very questionable. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, Dude, um, this whole that whole Rolling Stone article on him was, uh, oh my God, it was terrifying because just <laughs> the man is a mess. Uh, yep. He's a monster. And then he also just is really, really bad with his money. Yeah. Really? Too many scarves. Gotta stop buying so many yeah, scarves. Stop buying scarves, man. You're going to turn into Steven Tyler just exactly. burying yourself in there. They're all going to be fucking, yeah, smothered in their scarf pile. The only thing <laughs> keeping Steven Tyler together is the scarves. Like the old, like, you know, the, the story about the yes. ribbon around the neck. Yes. Which it's is what like I that. thought that movie Orphan was going to be, but it was not. Right. <laughs> they got me. So, yeah. So, Penny Pretty, that's another aspect where it's like, not only with that cinematography, they jump around tones. So, Penny Pretty talks like... A, a closer to a film noir style. Yeah, femme fatale. Kind femme of, fatale. Yeah. I'm down to my last nickel in this lousy town uh, sort of vibe. Um, yeah. Do they ever explain how she's a long lost uh, twin sister? Or is that just one that they were like, we'll figure that out in the World Crime Organization sequel? I think so. They're, they were going to explore it later because they just she just mentions how she was you know adopted and... Which is you know. another weird mishmash part is like they some people attach this claim that this was always going to be a standalone. And then some people say like, no, we're going to do a sequel. But there are elements in this that it's like, is this weirdness because you're assuming we read these 40 other scripts? Or is this weirdness because you're assuming that we'll clear this up in the next movie? Um, I think it's a bit uh, of both. I think it is. Uh, you know what? It's a little bit of a Halloween Kills problem. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah that's the pro- this is a movie this is a middle movie that's one of, i think that's maybe the thing it feels a little bit too much like a middle movie but we never saw the beginning and we're right. never going to get the end so the problems that end up happening in well, it are charming but yeah did you read that what's coming yes yeah, so, yeah of january of this year they announced they're going to do a graphic novel of the proper sequel to this movie canon canon book club is going to come I mean, me and Frank have got yeah. both. I mean, I was that's the thing I was most excited about fact-wise, where I was like, I really would like to know if they're basing off that script. Like, yeah. where else was this fucking movie going to go? Where was um, it going to go, yeah. So, yeah, it's it's weak that he's a rock star. Uh, <laughs> uh, I do love Perfect Tommy. He's one of my favorite characters. There's just something yeah. about him. It's another thing. They do another move with him where... It's, again, the fact that it's, like, a middle movie, and I like this move. I've done it before in things, but they keep, like, I think especially Clancy Brown slash Rawhide keeps kind of referencing. It's a little bit unclear of what Perfect Tommy's exact character is. He's really, you know, he's wary. 
of Pretty Penny, uh, Penny Pretty. Uh, he is kind of the sidekick, but he's a little bit more of a fashion mat. Like his, his big thing is he changes clothes nonstop. And yeah. that last scene, he changes it three times. <laughs> but is it also he's supposed to be maybe a little bit of a hothead because like Rawhide references something about like don't set up a squadron or something. Like at one point, he's like, don't call in the reserves. And it's like a reference to like something he always does. Like, it's like he, he's got a move where he always wants to call in more people or call in, like, the backup. Yeah. But Rawhide's like, we don't need that yet. But it's, again, another throwaway where it's like, I don't know what this does to fill out the character, but it's interesting, <laughs> but makes it unclear <laughs> yeah. what exactly is supposed to be per- Perfect Tommy's deal. <laughs> um, I did. So yeah, his response to being like, he's like, give her your jacket. Why my jacket? Because you're perfect. Oh, yeah. Or what did he say? I love that. I think it is yeah. something like that. Um, by the way, Oscillation Overthruster is, I think, oh, the thing yeah. they're trying to get. Uh, Hold on to my thruster anytime. <laughs> exactly. Everyone is horny for him in this movie. Everyone I mean, he looks, he's a good-looking dude, especially at this, at this time. But, like, man, everybody is... Dyed black hair, Just, red glasses. Everyone's oh, got a fucking cream and jeans left fucking and right. aching so hard. Apparently, the red glasses was a real sticking point to the producer. He hated them. That Bonsai's oh. wearing. And he made a whole thing of like, how many times are we going to see this? And I think the director said, uh, two. Like, he gave him a number and that shut him down. Because <laughs> he's like, <laughs> all right, I can deal with that. Um, this is also around the point of the movie where I pictured... Yoram uh, and Menachem being excited. Mostly Menachem being excited about Buckaroo and oh, just yeah. being like, he's great. He's great at everything. He's the best. Like, just yeah. like yelling. Like, just like, <laughs> wait, but why is he the best? He just is. He, he just he's is. He's a ninja, yeah. too. Um, I, until I realized that he, uh, Jeff Goldblum was wearing that costume because he pictured Buckaroo. I was picturing like Buck and Boogie Boogie Nights, how he keeps trying on different looks. <laughs> yeah. So I thought that's what the deal was. Another deal where this is the middle of the movie, I do like it's again, I both like and don't like every time it happens. I like that they reference like where's Pecos? And they're like, Oh, he's in yeah. Tibet. And then I was like, and there but then that was Reno talking, and it's like, oh, there's all these other all like ancillary characters. That we don't even know. Like, how yeah. big is this fucking thing? It's pretty fun. Uh, uh, it's its old, it's it's its own world. Yeah, I think that's it. It's just like every time you're like, I might not get the world, but I'm into it. I'm into that it is a world. It feel. Uh, look, I'll say uh, it's the John Wick thing, where like I, oh, yeah. I actually like the parts of John Wick where they're not expo- Like I always worry with a new John Wick that they'll explain too much. Too much of it, yeah. Yeah, the assassin Which they almost world. did in that last one. They're getting fucking close where I was like, this is not going to be as fun. I don't need to know. Yeah. Like, I don't need to know the conversion rate of these coins, because I am confused yeah. on these coins of John Wick. Sometimes they Although buy I do enjoy death, watching Sometimes the- they buy a, a drink. I do enjoy the like the just the office pool of suicide girls and boys that <laughs> just I do that like that. There. It's fun. Uh definitely. <laughs> um uh and so yeah, basically like at one point uh Buckaroo gets a call from the president, quote unquote, but it's the the black alien sending a laser through him that they give a name to. 
and that allows him to see the aliens for what they are, but also gives him a formula that will allow other people to see them. That he sticks on the professor's forehead by licking it and sticking it on there (laughs) to go synthesize it. Uh, That's so, again, with the world stuff I love. I love that it's just like shit just keeps going. It's quirky that I love it. It's just got, I mean, I I will say like, you know, with the, not to kind of give away the like summation, but I, I really, I really, why watching this, there were parts of it that really kept me into it where I was like, oh yeah, I love this. Yeah. And then other parts where I was like, this doesn't age as well for me, or it's it got a little boring at parts. Yep. But the overall effect of it is it's so charming. Yeah. Well, that is the thing. It is charming. That is exactly it. Because it's not as it's oddly not as action packed of a movie as you think it's gonna be. Yeah. I, I for some reason I remembered it being more action y, but it's just action yeah. dump. Like, I mean, yeah. and, and and information dump. Uh, here's my old man conversation question, which maybe we just answered a little bit by talking about Do- John Wick a tad. But this is the get off my lawn conversation. Oh, just we're older men. Uh, could this movie be made today? No. Like, no. Okay, good, good. Glad I no, because, I mean, like the name Bonsai, the fact that he's half Japanese you would hire someone who at least is half Japanese, you know, like, of, yeah. you know, Japanese descent. And then also um, it's appropriation. Like you just wouldn't have him, you know, wearing, you know, being like using kind of the stereotypical, sure. like even the, the headband he has apparently is nonsense. Right. And Japanese, like, so it's just like, so it, it's, uh, I, I, yeah, the Hong Kong Cavaliers and just all, all of them being white too. It's like the appropriation stuff would not fly. If they got rid of, if they did a rewrite without the appropriation stuff. Yeah. Could it? I guess like that's the thing is like now I'm just like, if we got rid of that, I'm like, what would be the thing that would fix it that would make it work? Just because it's like, it is so much information. Would it not be made because they would try to streamline it maybe too much? Like, would it have some issue? Not in the appropriation department, but like like what we were saying about The Rock going into big trouble, where it's like, well, you wouldn't allow this movie to be this. Yeah. Uh, like, to be this much information in this much of a world. You would have to have somebody handle it like they did with, like, Shang-Chi. Yeah. Because of that whole problematic history, that you would need someone who comes from that culture or experience to be like, here's how we approach this and this is how we're going to do this, where we can actually talk about kind of like the history in the past, but then do it in a way that still honors these kind of like uh, ancient, you know, symbols and stuff and, yeah. uh, you know, uh, tales without it being like, because right. what it is, is just stereotypical. It's stereotypes. It's just stereotypes yes. and broad strokes because they just want to use the name and they just want to use the culture for the fact of like, Right. The impact, you know. Versus Big Trouble, where it's like the case is made of just like, well, no, it just it does work. It's actually not like I think there's a big argument of just like it's not shitty. Like, you know, like Big Trouble like works and how it does. Like uh, uh uh yeah, it's it is just interesting. Like cuz it's just like I get I'm just like look at like when you I I'm looking at my notes, and this is partly why I was asking around here. It's like we keep saying in this. It's just like, 
information after information and <laughs> world building after world building combined with weird moves like why is the jamaican alien shaking all the time is that a thing like are we going to explain that like what the hand shaking nonstop, or is that just a choice uh it was around this time where i had a couple realizations one they introduced the blue blazer regulars which is essentially like the bonsai reserves right uh and that's where he said pretty tony don't call in a strike force like that's where like uh, Rawhide was like alluding to something that he likes, which is calling in strike forces. But it doesn't make sense what it is. And they reference that's like, who's busy? The Clodney brothers, you got the rug suckers. <laughs> like, we meet Pinky Tuscadero, or whatever the fuck his name is at that point. <laughs> like, Pinky Carruthers. Uh, <laughs> but so there's this world where they also have these bonsai irregulars that can show up. And essentially, Buckaroo Bonsai is like Curtis Sliwa. Like, with the fucking guardian angels. <laughs> like, he's just fucking everyone's regulating the world. But it was, I think it was, like, around here where I, and we talked about it a couple times because that's just what this movie is. Like, this movie is like if they're making a movie about a known IP. Yeah. But. Like, it's Spider-Man. Yeah. And I wrote for our world, Masters of the Universe. Oh, yeah. But it's like when you watch Masters and you're like, this isn't Masters of the Universe. Like, what the fuck is this? Like, yeah. But this is also a world where you're watching, you're like, it feels like things got weird in the translation, but I don't even know what it got translated off of because it isn't an <laughs> established nothing, IP. Yeah. So then you're like, a man's brain. Yeah. Right. And then you're like, who the fuck is Pretty Tony? Like, what is he creative? <laughs> what is his deal? Um, like, why does, uh, uh, what is his name? Not, the guy who's in Tibet, Reno, why when they put face paint on, does Reno have like, just like wavy lines and then two dots instead of just like the black makeup under the eyes? Why does he have a second wife that lives at Bonsai's cat? <laughs> like, like why for a lot of stuff? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, it really is just like kind of throughout. Like, it's just like, why is Yakov Smirnov show up? Like they're talking about you know, the Ruskies. They're playing a a war games deal, which is weird that that is the plan. I mean, that is yeah. so eighties. Yeah, that was always going to be the plan. In every war <laughs> move, is trick the Russians into thinking we're starting we're a war, launching missions, yeah, uh, missiles, yeah. Which, in a weird way, why don't they just blow up the world instead of just doing another trick? Yeah. Yet, why did they? decide to do a war games thing as an option but in and continuing with growing up in the 80s but being young in the 80s like were we that close i'm always wondering whenever i watch Jeff, movies, you have no idea you have no, you have idea. no idea oh you thank <laughs> reagan thank Fuck. him so much for keeping us safe daddy reagan oh, oh daddy daddy reagan. trickle down on me daddy reagan <laughs> That's the new part we're writing. <laughs> Trickle yeah. down on me, Reagan. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's just like, it's so complicated. And also, there's so much information that at a certain point, I forgot John Lithgow was even in the movie. Yeah, because he's like out of the movie for like 45 minutes or something like that. Right, because we're giving it like... And then he comes like, back in. 
Yeah, also, we're given like, the fucking... Remember, I almost forget about... They get the message from the aliens and they have to wear that bubble wrap around yeah. their eye. <laughs> also, it's funny where he puts on, like, to, to have a flashback, to remember, he puts, like, that little clamp on his tongue and, like, electrocutes himself yeah. like it's something from the young ones or something. You yes. Know? Like, I... Um, I, what there was a, a a quote in this movie, a scene in this movie that I think sums up basically the whole movie about how confusing it is, but then kind of being told like, no, it's okay, let's move on, is where they're going through like the lab or something, and he goes, why is there a watermelon there? And the guy says, I'll tell you later. Yeah. And I laughed so hard at that part because it's so funny. It's such a weird, like what. It, you want to know why out. it's in there? Why? So I read this, and it could be wrong, could be a bullshit IMDb fact. One of the reasons that scene is in there is they would put that watermelon and maybe some others to see if the executives were actually watching the dailies. <laughs> wow. <laughs> because if they didn't comment on it and ask the same exact question, then they weren't paying attention to what the fuck they were doing. <laughs> and yeah. they could maybe do even more crazy shit. So it's like, as far as wow. I can tell, if that is true, it's like they were trying to find a way to give themselves a license through a pretty funny joke. Yeah, in I theory, love that part. the idea uh, that they also said maybe in a thing, I read somewhere, maybe it was in like a, a commentary or something, is that they're testing pressure on the watermelon to do a test and blah 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 is really what's oh, right. happening there but no the main reason was like can we fit in more crazy big booty jokes wow. um, and can we fit in declar- declaration of war the short form like as a weird <laughs> that was a funny joke see Good there were like moments like that that, that felt feels like, like a top secret joke right yeah, like, exactly <laughs> but that was the thing it had elements of that or like a um I know I mentioned this before, like Strangers with Candy or like yeah. a Rick and Morty like parody type of thing where it's just like it's they're just funny gags. Yeah. And that's again like what kind of pins me back into the movie. Even that the signs like, oh, in Yo Yo Dine are like nobody comes in here with spelled C U M Z. Yeah. I <laughs> which also yeah. sounds like an LA glam band album to me. That's that could be <laughs> like a fucking Hollywood Vipers record. Oh yeah. <laughs> Licking up sunset. <laughs> nobody comes in here. Yeah. Riffing around for the next tram. <laughs> Using the word trim is always so funny to me and so gross all at <laughs> the same disgusting. time. It is the grossest way to describe female uh, genitalia. Um, so let's keep talking about yes, it. Yes, no. uh, but I do always want to say trim <laughs> oh. to like piss off my wife. <laughs> Ew, no, I... Oh, <laughs> So another funny line that really made me laugh, because this was another great comedic like turn... Is where uh, that that general is talking to the president, and he's going like he's like I'm a decorated soldier. I've done this and this and this, and he says I'm barely holding my fudge right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then that other lady was like, "Get yourself together. You're like a little girl." <laughs> but the timing of that was so perfect. That's the thing. There's just like it is funny, and it's funny in a weird way. It's funny in a. Sometimes it is funny in a Strangers with Candy slash Matt Berry delivery way where like where you're like, that's not a joke, but it's funny because it was delivered 
or in that context. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's like it wouldn't exist as a joke for anyone else. And and there are ones like the top secret joke, basically, that you're like, this is like a Zaz joke. But then there are ones like that. Yeah, that's just like a weird tonal joke <laughs> that is semi out of place and has. Yeah, the funniest part is the woman. The, the other employee of the president being like, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> <You> <laughs> it's baby, a fucking yeah. great move. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. And, I, and, and again, like with this, there's so many. It's a little bit, again, of a canon thing where you're like, are the things that are on in this, were they explained away after the fact or were they intentional? Like when you're like, what is this weird guar costume that they are like hanging in in this like seashell ship they're in but like the idea in theory was that it's not all new stuff that they're building on old stuff and like yeah "Yeah, i guess that makes sense but also why like it's like there's so many explanations that are not full explanations you know what i mean it's like you're not really getting a full answer and it's a lot of like i feel like i'd get the if i was the executive and getting the explanation of these moves it would be like sure maybe I, and I say this as someone who writes in weird ideas into scripts, and then after the fact, I'm like, I should probably explain. <laughs> and versus just this was a inkling I had, and that's what this movie is. It's like almost like some. It feels like sometimes it's a collection of inklings. It feels like a collection of like maybe this will work, maybe this will work, and some of them are justified, some aren't. It's the kind of thing you put in a script and be like, hope nobody notes me on this. <laughs> right. And that's why I think maybe both of us appreciate it, because it might be an entire movie of, I hope nobody picks this up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, literally, I just sent in something that I'm working on. And there was like, I was just like, I'm tired of looking at this. I'm just sending this in. And there was definitely a section where I'm just like, hope you don't say shit. And then I'm pretty sure the email I got back was like, yep, there it is. (laughs) You mentioned it. Um, But yeah, like, and, and, and hey, we both appreciate that. Cause there are like, sometimes, honestly, here's the thing, man. After eight years of teaching, years of writing comedy before that, and writing scripts and different written things. I don't want to explain things sometimes. Sometimes yeah. I'm just like, I don't know. Can't we just go with that? It kind of made sense. And like that subconsciously it'll come together. Yeah. Um, now, granted, if this script showed up in a class I was teaching, I would have a lot of, but I also, I would have a lot of notes, but I also wonder if this was a script that would show up when we would have those random students. And some of those have gone on to wealth, fame, and fortune, but yes. that I would just be like, I don't know. I, why why should I give you notes? Like, I'll let me tell you the notes that I should give, and then yeah. what I'm gonna say is, fuck it, man. I don't know. Just write the fucking scripts. It's funny. Yeah. Go for it. Whatever. Doesn't matter. None of this matters. That was always uh, frustrating when I'd have a student like that, who you're just like, uh, I don't want to note this because there's nothing here, and anything I would say would just make it. I'm just trying to note, you know? Yeah. Like, and you know when you're yeah. noting just to note. You know when you're oh, noting yeah. because you're like, I'm getting paid to do this. Uh, and again, we've probably said this before. If you're a former student and you think that there was a time that I gave you a note and that it was just because I felt like I needed to note, no, you needed that note. But <laughs> <laughs> in these cases, we are thinking about, yeah, no, there's those times where you're just like, why can't we just enjoy life? 
Like, yeah. just fucking write a wild script and go nuts. And that's the thing is, like, weirdly, when you watch Bonsai, and the whole time, at least for me, and I think for you, like, unlike other movies where you're like, ah, this kind of just starts to feel like a mess. Uh, who gives a fuck? Like, yeah. You're just like, it really ends up being, like, at the end when one of the aliens is just bending over two piles of yellow powder. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I don't even know, about that. What I don't know what the fuck is, is going on, <laughs> but who cares anymore? Like, you just showed me an alien sitting in a a lounge chair with the two plastic arms up drinking a beer. Yeah. Like, I guess they all eat fast food. That's kind of a thing. Whatever. Who cares anymore? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like, it is. And here's the thing. Here's the uh, uh, to to go to the end of it, where I think the the ultimate trick of this movie lies. The end of the movie is awesome. And I'm not talking about that uh, uh, Penny comes back to life. Because apparently New Jersey couldn't save her after almost getting killed by a slug torture machine (laughs) that John Big Boote wanted to use on her. Uh, Bonsai kisses her and the electricity brings her back to life. Brings her back. And so now they're in a couple. But they, yeah, apparently the producers or someone thought that the ending wasn't big enough to end on a kiss. So they were like, all right. We'll just shoot a music video. <laughs> Which I actually, I mean, the band sucked, but like, I did like that song. That song's great. That song I is great. I did like the the closing song, but also like, apparently they didn't have the song yet, so they just played Uptown Girl. Because it was the same For tempo. them to walk. To, yeah. yeah. So I so this is where we should say, I'm amazed we've gone this long without saying. So like, the music is odd. Sometimes yeah. it's really fun. It's actually not as in your face in this movie, weirdly. It's a little bit buried throughout. I was um, worried at the the top. I was like, "Oh no, we're gonna get like cheap synth type of score." But like, it didn't. Yeah, it didn't really. So this guy is Michael Bodeker, who did it, uh, which is weird because I think that's also the last name of uh, of uh, the bad guy in RoboCop, um, <laughs> uh, played by Kurtwood Smith. And still, I I every once in a while I'm like, should I get that fucking Bodeker shirt that I think we talked about that just says "Cop Killer." On the front, oh, yeah. the log sleeve, and I was like, never could wear that shirt. I, I know, it's so hard. Person. I saw that shirt, too, and I was like, oh, man, I want that. But, you know, just people don't understand, and they're just like... Yeah, it's it's a, it's an explainer. But, so Michael yeah. Bodeker was, if I'm getting this wrong, I could be, but uh, he he uh, was known for being able to play the ARP, or the ARP, which is this huge analog synth from back in the day. Yeah. Um, and so almost all of this is from that, but he's on fucking everything. He's on, like, Michael Jackson songs. He's on, like, every single fucking pop song. He was, like, the guy who you went to for this shit. Oh, wasn't he the guy who... Maybe I'm wrong on this, and I apologize. I'm probably just throwing this out there. But I think he might have been the guy who programmed the synth bass on Speed Demon off of Michael Jackson's bad. I think he might have been. Because that's the thing is he got into that world. He got, like... He, like, hooked up with uh, Moog. And like Robert Moog and was like kind of like the early synth guy, like I assume was like working with Wendy Carlos at certain points. Yeah. Um, like it definitely was a thing where I was like, I do I I I might have to go deep on Michael Bodeker. It's like in being like a synth guy, I didn't really know much about him. And that he is in on a lot of pop stuff, which isn't like 
the world I know as well. But yeah, uh, but I I love the song at the end. Like and and it's so it's great. And that's where my wife walked in because I so this is one I watched broken up, like in five different viewings. <laughs> uh, partly <laughs> where did be- you watch it on? Uh, I watched it on Pluto. Pluto TV. Okay. They've got us covered always. But the problem with Pluto TV is it wouldn't remember on demand where I, I was at. So yeah. every time I'd have to stop because I'd be like, that. my wife doesn't want to watch this. I'm not feeling great and I got to go to bed. And now it's Halloween. I got to take my kid fucking trick oh, or treating. Yeah. Uh, and so I would watch it in like 20 minute chunks, but I'd have to write down what time I was at. Fast forward <laughs> it through Pluto. Watch and then watch 20, 20 ads. Yes, like so <laughs> many ads every time. And it was like really mind-numbing. But um, yeah, I ended up renting it because I didn't want to deal with the ads. Probably should have just done that. Would have made my life a lot easier. I tried doing yeah. it on the... I, look, Pluto, I love you. But on the computer, watching it, every time you try to go real far, it only will go to where the next ad is. Yep. So I was like, I was just watching the same creepy... John Goodman ad where his have you seen that one where his head is on a finger and no. it's supposed to be some gambling app? Oh Jesus. It's odd. It's like what is going on with his finances or did he just say fuck it? Because it, it's also I might just have to put this up even on the Twitter if I can find the commercial like and send it to you because it's just like it's a creepy Ew. ad. It looks nauseating because um, it's also like skinnier John Goodman but you can only see yeah. his head so it just looks Everything looks off. But um, so, yeah, I watched it on Pluto. Uh, but, yeah, the end is basically the entire cast just walking through, like, the L.A. River, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. And as my my wife walked down, she hadn't watched any of it. And she's like, is this just, like, the whole cast of the movie? And I was like, yeah. Yeah. Just is walking awesome? down the, yeah. the aqueducts or whatever. Just walking the aqueducts, man. You see a, like, a giant semi just going through. The whole time, just waiting for Axl Rose to be blasted. Like, yeah! Oh, yeah. <laughs> but um, it's awesome. It just, it, it feels, it like, it almost tricks you to forget about how there's so much goofiness that doesn't completely make sense in the movie. Oh, yeah. Because it's just really fun to watch everyone and to be like, Rawhide's back. He's not dead. Yay, he can walk. Yeah, pretty Tony or whatever his name is changes his outfit three times. Like, which <laughs> perfect. is awesome. Yeah. Perfect Tony. Pretty, <laughs> pretty Johnny. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, perfect Tony. Uh, his Angry first, Johnny Poe. Angry Johnny's outfit his first one where he's wearing no shirt giant shoulder pad blazer and like a silver necklace is amazing looking i i love that he apparently is he i think he pushed for his hair to be that bleached and he had to go through like 20 different phases to get it that bleached um yeah and yeah and then it ends with uh get ready for the next edition yeah get ready and then still waiting yeah we're waiting maybe this holiday season I mean, I'm excited to read the graphic novel. Yeah, I mean, Buckaroo Bonsai, it's it's a wild ride. It really is yeah. like, uh, I don't know. I do think it's like both uh, exciting and not all. Of the, it's It literally is everything all at once. Uh, you know, we, we overuse the term kitchen sink when talking about film. Buckaroo yeah. Bonsai is truly the kitchen oh, sink yeah. and more. And with it's a kitchen sink with a bunch of weird shit thrown in it yeah. as well. <laughs> like, why'd you throw a sausage roll in a fucking 
dust buster in here. What is going on? <laughs> um, yeah, is there anything we think we missed in all of this that was I, needed I mean, to point out? There were moments at the end where Christopher Lloyd looked like, um, and like where you're watching it, you're like, oh, I could see how they thought of him for Roger Rabbit, you know, like for yeah. who framed Roger Rabbit because he's yeah. very menacing at some points. Yep. Uh, I love the the term monkey boys that they called them. I love that. It's very fun. Yeah. Uh, when are you going? Real soon. <laughs> At one point, someone, I can't remember who says the deuce you say, and I don't know what that means exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of like in what we do in the shadows every time that um, Matt Berry says something i'm just like how did they think is this matt yeah. barry or is this the writers yeah. i know one of the writers on that show but i meant to ask because like he's like off you fuck and it's like what <laughs> <laughs> uh what a dream oh yeah i just wrote down hey it's mike from breaking bad uh, yep. jonathan banks but he was in gremlins that year too oh uh, yeah he was yeah uh, i wonder if marvel meant to do a connection Move, they uh, did comic. did they do okay they did they had like a uh a, a, a run for the movie they had like a limited like thing for it oh was it uh, an adaptation i imagine i think so i think yeah. it was like how marvel would do those adaptations yep. and stuff like the star i got a, Wars, I got a robocop you know? one. Oh yeah uh tom hanks and michael keaton were considered for the role of buck rubansai i just rewatched beetlejuice last night and it's like man michael keaton's so <sighs> fucking good it really He's is still great Okay, every uh, he's he's the greatest. He really is. I think, the I think he's the funniest part of uh, the other guys. One thousand uh, percent. I could watch a supercut of him and the other guys all the time. Uh, God, the, the other guys, is... the other guys being the movie. I think I've said that Michael Delaney used to yeah. say that I was crazy for not saying that that was the best Adam McKay movie, and no. I was just like, because you were in it. What are you talking right. about? <laughs> it's like I'm sorry, Step Brothers is infinitely funnier just throughout. Like just consistently, yeah. uh, but I do man, love the other guys. But I man, do he, too. I think it's great. Uh, but his his scene yeah. uh, in the funeral when they're trying to fight really quietly, and he goes in, he's like, "Break it up," <laughs> and the whole like uh, TLC stuff. Look, man, so when I uh, finally watched Toy Story three because my son wanted to watch it, and then immediately was just like, "What the fuck did they do in this movie? It is so dark." <laughs> And oh, so yeah. depressing, and he is so stressed, and the only saving grace for me was realizing that Michael Keaton was playing Ken. Uh, same with Cars, <laughs> when all of a sudden he showed up as one of the Cars, and I was like, thank God for this this weird Disney-Pixar jingoistic fucking Make America Great Again fucking series that then tries sure. to not be problematic by just bringing in, like, to me, it feels like bringing in like Latinx, Latinx characters, like in the third one, to almost like counter the fact that the first one, especially, is basically "Make America Great Again." To yeah. me, I do not love it. It's not my favorite series that my kid loves. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I'm not into Cars. I don't do that. Yeah, I do love the sketch that they had on SNL, though. That was pretty uh, good. Where and, they? Yeah. And I will say, Cars, cars Land at Disneyland. Mwah. It's very good. good. They do the design really well, and that ride is fucking killer. <laughs> uh, but because they got rid of all the MAGA hats that fucking Lightning McQueen is wearing. Ka-chow. Um, yeah. Anything else we got? Um, I'm, like, kind of looking through my notes. But, like, again, like, I I, I just I, – you can't help but just be charmed by – it's one of those things where it's, like, I 
if I had seen it even more as a kid, this definitely would have been a go-to, like, I, I would have been absolutely in love with it, you know? Yeah. And I think because of that fact, I think if you show this to someone now who's never seen it before, they're going to be like, this movie's bad. Yeah. They're going to be like, this movie makes no sense and it's bad. But because we are of a certain age and like a certain type of movie and have an appreciation for this type of movie and the fact that it got made and the weirdness of it and it has this charm, I think we're like, we're going to like it. If yeah. you're like us, you're going to like it. You're going to enjoy it, you know, yeah. especially if you get like, you know little drunk or high or even if you just like you're you're straight edge and you just like like movies like this you're gonna love it maybe if you have a cold and your brain is broken <laughs> a little and you're like I'm, am i in a fever dream do i have a fever should i check this out uh nope this is happening and it's just how i remembered yeah it's wild uh you know one day me and frank will write some sort of pilot that somehow invokes buckaroo bonsai and it will not get made. Uh, and that's our yep. Canon Bros promise to you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it being an HBO Canon distributed, we can definitely give that Canon rating, though. Out of one oh, to yeah. ten Canons, how many Canons would this Canon distributed be, Frank? Uh, I would say a seven for me. I would say 6.5 or seven. Yeah. I think it, it, it's got a lot of the elements because of production and stuff, and it's weird, and it's got, like... But the fact that it was pretty high budget and that some of the things it's not I, I do one of the things I really liked about this movie was the sci-fi elements almost felt like horror based, like um yeah. big trouble in little China, you know, like it really did feel like that. And I love that aspect of it. Yeah. Or like they live, it kind of felt like that too with Howard the, the Duck. Too. Yes. Like it just has like yes. that, that kind of where you're like, How are the duck is not for a kid? Like it, it's a no. little fucked and it's darker than you think. And it's like, Oh, yeah. Jeffrey Jones and John Lithgow in my as a kid were kind of interchangeable a little bit yeah. in these movies. Wow. Remo yeah, Williams right. a little bit. Like, I mean, but the, I watch Howard the Duck a ton as yeah. a kid. So, yeah. Because you like looking at them duck boobies. Oh, yeah. That really got me. That's Phantom Tingles right there. I was like, I love that there's nipples Frank's on these. number one Phantom Tingles. Duck <laughs> nipples. Duck, duck nipples and Howard the Duck. Uh, not Leah Thompson. Oh, uh, God. In that no. skimpy oh. outfit. No, not, not that wow, at all. Wow. But... Sorry. You just hit me with a garlic Phantom Tingles. <laughs> You uh, got you like fell over in your chair. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that is a wild outfit on the naked duck. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's great. It's so yeah, I'm I'm giving it a seven two. You know why too? And we didn't talk about it throughout this, but like canon wise, it also could exist in uh alien from la doing time on planet earth world yeah like where it's just like it's got an odd humor it's an odd world building that you're just expecting us to go on yeah um uh could be nauseating at times like alien from la <laughs> if you want it yeah. to be uh uh and you know problematic in that certain canon sort of way like oh, yeah. we said 80s racism like it's just just a blanket statement we can throw down sometimes. Yeah, man. I mean, I I I'm psyched. I'm psyched we got to talk about bonsai. I think Me it's too. a fucking fun one. Uh yeah. So, Frank, 
where can people find us to talk about bonsai and other canon related things? You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at the Canon Canon. The second Canon is one in, and you can sign up for our Patreon, patreon.com slash the Canon Canon. Second Canon is one in. And there we have a Discord server where you can chat. We got lots of fun stuff where we have like other movie wrecks that you can chat about, uh, episode feedback, uh, episode pitches. Like there's a lot of talking uh, about fun stuff. Uh, favorite movie logos production oh, logos yeah. we just got that nice. combo going right now um and yeah we got a whole bunch of extra episodes patreon exclusive could have been a canon always a month early for certain tiers extra yep. commentary episodes or watch along episodes i've been hearing that lately and i don't know if <laughs> yeah, that's what we should be yeah. calling them yeah because uh, we just released a watch along uh, commentary track for halloween three we did uh, for the spooky season. Spooky season, we went wild. We had Argentober. Oh, yeah. Halloween kills bonus. Fucking yeah. uh, Halloween 3 watch-along commentary. Halloween 3 soundtrack corner. People, it is all on that Patreon. Get on it. Uh, but until next week, I'm Jeff Garlock. And I'm Frank Garcia Hale. And this is The Canon. Canon. Jesus Christo, make the ganglia twitch. That was Italian. <laughs> that sounded more uh, Rastafari. <laughs> I know, that's my problem. <laughs>